Hello Zimbabwe and welcome to Live Talk, The Connection, a platform where we discuss issues affecting young people. We are coming to you live from Studio 7 at The Voice of America in Washington. I am your host, Tabo Kangube. Today, we are looking at the opening of schools as the 2024 first term kicks in amid many challenges. But first, let's look at what's happening elsewhere. Nigeria is a signatory to several international treaties aiming to end sexual and gender-based violence against women. However, the problem persists. Now some want new laws to hold offenders accountable Timothy Obiezu has this story from Nigeria. Inside these walls in central Nigeria's plateau state are women seeking refuge from sexual violence. Stella Kenneth was raped by her father in 2017 when she was 10 years old. My father started touching my body and it, one day he he called me aside after our devotion and he said, I'm trying to teach you what life is so no guy will come and deceive you. I love you. I was scared that if I tell it out, my father is going to beat me and I'll stop paying my school fees. The abuse continued until last year when Kenneth told a family friend what was happening and they reported it to the authorities who arrested her father. She says the experience impacted her self-esteem. When I came, I was not friendly. I was kind of rugged. Not like, I mean, what I mean rugged, not to that kind of socialize. Always kind of be like a bad person, like bad girl. The nonprofit Christian Women for Excellence and Empowerment in Nigerian Society launched in 2010 and says the safe house is helping many survivors of sexual violence like Kenneth cope with the trauma. Violence against women and girls is on the rise more than 20 years after Nigeria signed the Maputo Protocol, an African charter on women's rights. Recently, the French ambassador to Nigeria, Emmanuel Bledman, said economic challenges in the country are driving the increase in the number of cases of gender-based violence. 18-year-old Kachola Musa says she was raped by her uncle eight years ago. She says she's still afraid to report the case to her family. I lied and I told them that someone wanted to kidnap me. So after then I regret it, I was afraid to report the case. In December, Nigerian lawmakers called for a review of the laws to enable enforcement agents to take decisive measures. Janet Beatrice, the safe house manager at Plato, is all for a review of current laws. For me, I think either life imprisonment or death sentence can even serve as a detriment to others out there. Because the gravity of this offense is a lifetime memory that has been created in the heart and in the life of the victim. Beatrice says harsher laws and stronger enforcement could act as a deterrent and help women here feel safe. 
Timothy Obiezu, VOA News, Joss, Plato State, Nigeria. In other news, Hezbollah today launched a drone attack targeting Israel military base in retaliation for the killing of a top army commander and the deputy leader of Hamas. According to the Associated Press, Gaza authorities say over 22,000 innocent civilians have been killed in the Strip since the war started last October. The United States President Joe Biden has no intention of firing Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin after Austin failed to publicly say he was hospitalized and did not disclose his medical issue, says National Security Council spokesperson John Kabim. For those that have just joined us, please note that we are streaming live on our Facebook pages VOA Shona, VOA Studio 7, and VOA Indebele. We are also live on YouTube, VOA Zimbabwe. Please stay tuned as we take a brief break. In times of change, when the world seems uncertain, and what we hear doesn't reflect what we see, we seek the truth. When we are told only part of the story, we lose trust. In moments of crisis, our dreams, hopes, and wishes for a better tomorrow depend on a free press. At Voice of America, we bring you the stories that people take risks to see. We connect the world and unite it with truth. At Voice of America, we show you the whole picture. Today, we are looking at the opening of schools as the 2024 first term kicks off amid challenges. To discuss this issue, we are joined on the phone by Mr. Abani Manokore, the National Coordinator for the National Association of School Development Associations and committees. We are looking forward to also be joined by other people as the, the program progresses. Welcome to the show, Mr. Manokore. Thank you. Um, thank you. Manokore, thank you. Ndiyapi matamuziko wa maona achi itika pa zuara na sakatari sana nevabereki. Mwetu ndiyapi matamuziko wa maona achi itika pa zuara na sakatari sana nevabereki. Kwa hivyo wana njimbo. Kuda jebredu wani, shibi, wana 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 the <laughs> Then the 
Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Manokore. Um, we saw a press release from the Ministry of uh, Primary and Secondary Education where they were addressing a number of issues. Uh, one of the issues uh, is uh, the approved uh, school fees and levies for each school where we saw uh, some parents complaining that uh, schools were charging more than the gazetted fees. What's your take on the response that came from the government, which is saying um, it will not allow any school to charge uh, fees that are not approved? And uh, in situations where parents uh, see this, they, they should report uh, to the ministry. And also uh, the ministry has uh, told schools to make sure that uh, all the approved uh, fees uh, should be uh, displayed in public so that uh, uh, people can see uh, that uh, these are the approved uh, school fees. What's your take on uh, this step by the ministry? It's, it's very surprising that parents uh, also come up and say uh, some uh, schools are charging school fees way about the threshold that was agreed. It's very, very surprising. Uh, under normal circumstances, where such issues occur, we encourage parents to go to resort back to the offices of the district school inspector, the provincial education director, or central or mainline ministry of the other office of the permanent central service to highlight to them to say this is what is happening at school A or school B. With the issues of levies, levies are agreed upon by parents even at their annual general meeting to say this is what we must pay, trending and annual. And they took their budgets, neither inclusive register of attendance and source of state permanent sector for approval. Once fees are approved, then those fees that are approved are the ones that should be paid. Any other fee that has not been approved should not be charged. And the procedure for any reason adjusting to the budget is very clear to all school authorities and SDC. They're strictly supposed to follow that. All the national general meeting steps to the reason between all the parents during the school parent assembly as to why such an increase is warranted. And they must agree and accept the fee that all parents are able to pay. They are not supposed to charge their legislature or just make a decision unilaterally without consultation. They should be out consultation and then an endorsement by by those parents to say yes, this adjustment is what we agree agreeable to on top of what is already there. And then they submit that to the office of the permanent secretary through the DSIs and the TVs for approval. Once such fees have been approved, then they should be charged. So we are encouraging parents to think where they are being told to charge any other fees that are outside the way that have been approved by the permanent system. Rightly so, they should revert back to the ministry to put for their complaints. And we are encouraging all the parents, the future persons, to make sure that they stick to what the government policy says in terms of fees and levies. And the way they are having challenges in paying their fees, they should sit down with parents and uh, 
Thank you, Mr. Manokore. Uh, fortunately, we are joined uh, on the phone by uh, Mr. Mnyaradzi Masiwa, the Deputy Secretary General of Atuza. Welcome to the program, Mr. Masiwa. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, good evening, Mbabo. Uh, Mr. Masiwa, you joined a bit later, but uh, we are looking at uh, schools that have just opened today, uh, taking a youth perspective where we are looking at uh, how all these issues that are happening are affecting uh, young people. Uh, maybe as uh, we'll start with uh, where we have seen so many uh, uh, challenges surrounding the opening of schools over the years. Uh, we've seen uh, teachers sometimes uh, saying, no, we are not going to teach, and um, that's the same case that is happening uh, this year as well. Uh, maybe my question to you will be, in all this, uh, who is uh, the biggest loser, and what needs to be done to help uh, the biggest loser? Um, my question is that we have seen challenges around um, uh, schools opening where um, the government is saying this, uh, teachers are saying this, and uh, parents are also facing uh, some challenges. And at the end of the day, um, we have uh, the child at the center uh, being one, the one who is affected by all these uh, challenges. What do you think should be the way forward in terms of uh, helping to make sure that at the end of the day, even if the challenges are there, children still have access to education. What do you think should be done? Okay, uh, thank you so much for the question. Right, first thing first, I think and believe that if the government uh, respects the constitution, we have the constitution in Zimbabwe, which guides us on how education must be given to learners. It is said clearly that the government, the government must fund education. So it is provided for in Section 75 that the government must fund basic education. Then, uh, secondly, the main problem or the main uh, information that goes to the parents most of the time, the misinformation that uh, comes during election period, where political personnel or those who would be seeking a, a position through a, a voting, they coerce parents, they lie to parents that uh, education will be uh, free. So some say there's no free education, right? It's partly true because education must be funded by the government. That must be uh, clear. So when uh, schools open, always it's always the parents who find themselves as the gate of the school. Uh, they find their their children being turned away. Why? Because schools demand a fee from learners. Why? One is because the government is not funding education. Why, men are, why parents also 
Tinotenda, uh, coming back to you, um, Va Masiwa, you can, uh, go, uh, we can uh, continue there uh, with uh, what you were saying. And also, um, there's a contribution from a caller who is saying uh, the other challenge that we have is uh, extra lessons, where we are seeing teachers saying, no, uh, if your child has not paid for extra lessons, then uh, they cannot uh, learn, they cannot benefit as uh, teachers are mainly focusing on extra lessons than on their uh, main job, which is uh, teaching uh, during the day. What's your take on that as someone who represents teachers? Thank you so much. So you realize that the government is uh, becoming a chief aspect of being an educational crisis. The issue of extra lessons 
we don't encourage extremism, but the government, to, to a larger extent, they are uh, providing such an environment where uh, teachers end up entering into a, a private uh, agreement with parents. Uh, when you find a teacher who is getting less than 250 US dollars commuting uh, uh, to and from, Every day for a month, without the kids, you must know that there is something which is not right. So the government is in the government managing to pay just a living wage to teachers. That was a motivated uh, way of saying stop all these extra uh, lessons. So uh, going back to what I was uh, trying to raise, where the government is between the parents and the school administrators. On the other end, the government is giving school administrators information that they are free to raise fees, they are free to charge in the United States dollars. On the other end, they are going to the parents and saying, there is education, education is free in Zimbabwe, no one must be turned away from school. But the government is not uh, funding education. Thank you. Um, yes, you can okay. you can finish off. Um. Thank you there, uh, Mr. Masiwa. Um, you heard uh, what he had to say, Mr. Manokore. What's your take uh, as someone who is representing uh, parents? Uh, what's uh, your take on uh, what Ma Mr. Masiwa was saying, especially on the extra lessons issue? Well, so well, on the school fees issue. Yes. Um, what we are basically saying is that uh, we are in a post-22 situation. Um, the on one side, you 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 have that the first teachers they are they are the government. The, the law is telling disputes between themselves and their employers in government. And the dispute is putting us at, at the mercy of the king. On one hand, uh, government, uh, while, uh, government also requires us to be paying irrespective of the fact that the Constitution uh, through Section 27 and the Bill of Rights that uh, our education is free. And on the, on the other hand, we also have teachers who are then charging sales and lessons. And what is, what is happening in most cases is that if you look at what a child is paying as a lesson, you calculate it, they are paying for instance schools around the world. Some are paying the lowest, 35 to $35 less per term. But a teacher who is providing extra lessons at school is charging $5 per week. You add that, it becomes $20. And all what, what the teachers are charging is actually doubling. What, what the parents are paying is less. So we, I found ourselves in a very precarious position that we need to satisfy both. On one hand, we sympathize with our teachers, 
because of uh, the nature of the condition of the things that they survive. On the other side, the same parents are equally being compromised. Why? Most of our parents are not uh, in the American earning budget. Most of them are there. These are the vendors. These are, uh, you know, people with no, with no job at all and so on and so forth. And they are being demanded to pay levies. It's a levies on one end, and they're trying to make sure also that they pay teachers. So they pay twice. And when, when, when parents look at what is easier, they then tend to criticize the teacher than to pay the levies. If you look at the state of most schools, particularly in our, in our area, areas, in their areas, facilities are going down there. They're actually dilapidating due to lack of management. Why? Because the budget has actually The role of our parents is to make sure that the infrastructure that is being used by our children is in good condition, in good condition. And at the same time, we should also create an enabling environment for the teacher to be able to deliver his services, to perform his duties without any other influence. So we are in a, in a, in a, in a precarious condition where we are actually asking the government. I, I think there should be a, a situation whereby all stakeholders should come together, parents on the one side, government on the other, the teacher, so that we speak with one voice and, and come up with what is good for our education. We should not be pulling in different directions and trying to fight each other. We fight the government, the government fights the teachers, the teachers fight government, the fight parents, the children. We have a situation whereby the, the unit of purpose. Thank you, mm-hmm. Mr. Manokore. Um, Coming back to you, uh, Mr. Masiwa, as uh, you conclude, um, Mr. Manokore raised an issue on uh, multi-sector dialogue where he, he encourages that uh, there should be a dialogue between uh, the teachers, uh, government, and parents. Do you think that can solve uh, the problem? And um, what else needs to be done to make sure that uh, we have quality education in Zimbabwe and uh, we don't have a situation where uh, teachers, on the other hand, are always on strike because uh, uh, there are issues surrounding their employment. I have 100% that all stakeholders in education must have a collective dialogue, a genuine dialogue where uh, whatever is going to be discussed in that dialogue must be implemented uh, genuinely without any party being uh, uh, trying to play uh, political goals with another party. So if we have parents, if we have teachers, we have the, the government, we have the center, we have educators there, Loving uh, a discussion, a, a very open and honest discussion, then we will be able to solve our issues. Yes, it is very true that uh, government schools have uh, structures that are in a, a dilapidated uh, state. I want to uh, put it clearly that ultimately, you realize that there was uh, this amount of school fees that was received, that was being paid in RTV, and now it is paid in United States dollars. So as it stands now, about five years. So all primary schools, uh, 
for example, is going towards the government in the pocket of the Minister of Finance, not to the school. And also, teachers are being asked to pay rent at their station, at the school station. And that rent about 20 years or a US dollar is going directly to the pocket of uh, the government. So it is very true that if we have an honest discussion and in balance, then we will be able to solve our issue. Right now, we are having an issue of the expired curriculum, a, a curriculum that was reviewed, but the content of the review was never published. In the government keeps on postponing publishing the content of the review and giving the stakeholders, the other stakeholders, that is, thank you. The way forward, containing that expired curriculum, we are in the dark, the teachers are in the dark, they are just still planning for the year. But the government is promising that in two or three weeks' time, early in February, thank you, Mr. Masiwa. Uh, for that. Um, unfortunately, uh, time has run out. Let me take this opportunity to thank you so much for coming on the program. That brings us to the end of our show. Signing off in Washington, I am Tabaka Nube.